listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. So excited to be here with you guys to do week two of the series Follow. And if you're here last week and you heard Ryan, he did an incredible job of kind of kicking the series off and and uh, really setting the stage of what it means to recapture this idea of following. Uh, I think it's, it's really funny, and Ryan talked about it last week, how this word has really changed the meaning over the years because of social media and technology and what it means for us to follow someone today isn't exactly what it has always meant to follow someone. And I even started thinking about back when I was a kid, back before, you know, social media existed and stuff and the things that I was into and the things that I followed. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys in the room can relate. Uh, You know, I say guys, I mean, I mean, guys and ladies, like this is a, this is an equal opportunity interest that you may have had as a small child, or maybe some of you are even interested in it today. But uh, how many of you were interested as a kid or, or even still today in the art and storytelling that is found in the World Wrestling Federation, or now known as the World Wrestling Inter- Anybody watch wrestling as a kid? Cool. All right. I'm from Alabama. Everybody watched it there. So here's the thing. Uh, in wrestling, it's fantastic because uh, it's all fake. I know that. So somebody's going to come to me after and be like, you know, it's fake. I know, I know it's fake. Okay. But five-year-old me did not know it was fake. Five-year-old me thought it was awesome. And so what I would do is I would climb up onto my parents' bed and God uh, in his infinite blessings blessed me with a, a younger brother who I'm much larger than. And uh, so I had this like, like natural like practice dummy that was just in my house. And so uh, I began to, to follow the things that I saw on TV, you know, the moves that they would do, I would do them on my little brother. And, you know, I can't remember now today, um, my memory is, is escaping me in my age, but I remember one time we were doing wrestling moves up there and I would like act like I would let him do it. But at the moment he would try something, I would like reverse it and pin him down and make him cry. And I was just like, you know, really like just asserting my dominance as like a five or six year old on my brother. And uh, I remember um, standing him up and, and uh, I can't remember if it was a drop kick, which uh, for those of you who aren't familiar is like a running like karate move two feet into their chest. Or if it was a choke slam, which again is like a pickup and thrust downward. Like it was some kind of move like that where my brother, I hit him so hard, um, whatever it was, um, that he bounced on the bed and then off, right? Like, so he hits the bed and it's like springboarded like a trampoline off the bed. And uh, it was my parents' bedroom. So like, it's decorated. It's nice. It's not like our room. It was just a disaster of Legos. And it was, uh, my, my mom and dad had like a, uh, a little end table by the bed. And my brother, guys, hit it right across like his like eyebrow. He had to go to the hospital and get stitches. And my mom didn't let me watch wrestling, so I did what every other kid had to do back in the day. I just snuck around and did it when she wasn't looking. And so like it was one of these things where uh, I realized that hey, the things that we follow, we begin to imitate, right? Like the things that we uh, we follow, we begin to try to act out in our lives, whether it's wrestling or or, or whatever it is. The things that we we follow. Um, soon become part of our lives. Uh, for me, wrestling soon uh, gave way to other things. But, but it was one of those things where I, I learned, you know, looking back and it's like, even at an early age, that's kind of how our lives work. And I think it's even more true as we get older. Like I started thinking, like, this isn't a, a real story. This isn't something that, that actually happened. But, but not only does the things that we follow, they, they, we, we do the same things that, that the people that we follow do, but we also uh, do the things that the people we follow say. 
Like if you follow someone and they tell you to do something, you begin to do the things that they say. And this isn't a, a real scenario, but like uh, a couple years ago, my wife and I were about to celebrate our third anniversary in, in a couple weeks. And so um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. And I remember when we were planning for uh, our wedding and uh, I was pretty much, I, you know, I bought a ring and I showed up on time. That was pretty much my contribution to the wedding day. But uh, my wife planned all of it and she did all the stuff. And I would be like, hey, is there anything you can help me do? And one of the things she tasked me with was uh, booking and planning the, the honeymoon. And so it was like, hey, whatever we do after this, like that's in your charge. Everything that happens on our wedding day and over the weekend, that's on my plate. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's probably fair. You know, like that's probably an equal distribution of who needs to be in charge of what. And so I, I think back to that, like, because uh, I've, you know, I, I love my wife and I want her to be happy and I want, you know, the, the, our wedding and our honeymoon, everything to go how it was, I did what she said. But imagine for a second um, if, let's say, the same scenario plays out and she's like, Heath, you're in charge of doing and booking and planning the, the honeymoon. And I'm like, Got it. All right. I can handle that. I can, I can take that off your plate, dear, because I love you and I want to uh, make sure that this all goes exactly the way you want. And a week later, she circles back around to me and she's like, Heath, did you, you know, where are we going? Did you book something or are we, did you have a plan? What's going on with this? And I'm like, oh, you know, I heard what you said and I've been thinking about it. And I decided that um, I haven't booked anything yet, but um, I've really committed to memory what you told me to do. Like I wrote it on like a card and I put it on my mirror. So every morning it says plan and book honeymoon. You know, I, like if, if I, I didn't actually do it, but I liked what you said and I liked how you said it. And so I wanted it to be something that I remember forever. So I, I wrote it on an index card. I put it on my mirror and every day while I'm brushing my teeth, I'm like, that's right. She did tell me to do that. And so I, I didn't actually do it, but is that okay? And she's like, no, I told you to plan and book the honeymoon. That's what I want you to do. Right, okay, I'll get on that. And a few days later goes by, she came back to me and asked me again, hey, did you follow through? Did you execute on the one thing that I asked you to do for this wedding? It's like, I didn't yet, but here's what I did. I, um, I gathered a lot of people into a room and uh, I have some friends who are really good at music and uh, we wrote some songs about our honeymoon and about planning and booking the honeymoon. I have lots of ideas of possible places we could go and I've incorporated them into songs. So we all gathered together and we now sing songs together as a group about opportunities and possibilities of what it might look like for us to go on a honeymoon, destinations we may go on in different places to do it. Is, is that what you were looking for? And she'd be like, no, you're an idiot. Why am I marrying you? Because all I want you to do is book and plan the honeymoon. Got it. So what, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to gather a group of my friends and we're just going to like just dig into what you told me to do. And we're going to, you know, talk about how it makes us feel to book and plan honeymoons. And we're going to discuss in a smaller grouped setting about like, you know, maybe have some questions about what would it potentially look like if I were to book and plan the honeymoon, like how I could incorporate that into my life. Is that what you're looking for? At that point in time, if this was a real scenario, um, I would be single again and back on the market, right? Like at this point in time, she'd be like, you can't even do the simplest task. Now, like I said, that's not a true story. I'm not that big of an idiot, but I do think that it's a funny story because oftentimes that's exactly how we treat Jesus's words. That that's exactly what we do to Jesus. We, we hear Jesus's words and maybe we memorize them or we sing them in songs or we discuss them in our small groups. But how are we doing it actually living out the things that he told us to do. As we continue the series follow tonight, that's what we're going to be talking about is how do we begin to follow Jesus in really doing the things that he told us to do 
in our lives. Because I think if you're anything like me, we are all quick to admire, but slow to apply what he taught. We're quick to admire the things that Jesus says. We're quick to say, wow, that is a good thing. You know what? I am going to put that on my Insta story. People need to see this. Like, I love how Jesus tells us to love everyone. Well, how are we doing at loving everyone? Well, you don't understand. The people in my life are extremely unlovable, and it's really hard for me to love them. But, like, I really like the idea behind Like, so often, this is how we treat the words of Jesus. Now, we admire what he says. We look at it, and we say, man, that's a great idea. I should really do that. But if someone were to ask you, and we were to be honest with ourselves tonight on how we're actually doing, most of us would be like, well, I'm a little slow on the application of actually doing the things he told us to do. So the story, the silly honeymoon story becomes like reality for a lot of us because if we take my wife out of the story and put Jesus into the story, and we take me out of the story and we put you into the story, all of a sudden that story becomes not as funny and a lot more realistic. Because a lot of times we admire the things Jesus tells us to do, but we are a little bit slow on applying them to our actual day-to-day lives. And if that's you tonight and, that, and you're here and that is a little convicting, uh, welcome to the club because I've had to sit on this all week and be like, man, I feel like this is a message for me. And so if, if that's you, that's okay. You're in the right place. And I'm so glad that you joined us tonight at TLR because this is something that I think all of us can get better at. This is something that all of us can work towards and something that all of us can have growth in during this year. And so I think that one of the biggest reasons that it's hard for us to apply what Jesus says and and we're quick to uh, listen and admire his teachings, but we're slow to apply it. The main reason is that I think it's a lot easier to follow Jesus as Savior than it is, and it's much more difficult to follow him as Lord. See, I think a lot of times in our lives, you've heard the expression that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. And so a lot of times what we do is we follow Jesus in the Savior category, but we're a little bit slow on the following him as the Lord category. And, and, and for definition's sake, I'll break those down. Like when we talk about Jesus as your Savior, this is all the best parts about Jesus. This is the part about Jesus that's unconditional love. Like no matter how bad you've messed up, no matter how far gone you are, Jesus always welcomes you back and he loves you no matter what you've done. Like this is the stuff about Jesus that we, we sing about and we celebrate. This is the, the grace that is so amazing. This is the, the forgiveness of, of, of our sins. This is the, the love and acceptance we have of our heavenly father through Jesus. Like we love Jesus as our savior. But Jesus as our Lord, that's a little bit more fuzzy. Because you see the, the word Lord means uh, someone who is in a position of authority over you. It's, it's someone who has a, a title of respect or reverence that we are surrendering or submitting ourselves to. And so when we begin to look at Jesus and talk about Jesus as our Lord, or what it would look like for him to be Lord in our lives, uh, we're a lot slower on letting go things that we want to surrender to Jesus. Because like, even as I was preparing this and thinking about this, I started thinking about what are some of the things that we have to surrender to Jesus as Lord of our lives? We have to surrender our futures. Like no longer, I, I, I loved hearing the, the TLR updates earlier and just hearing you guys like, what, what's all, what all, fam updates, I believe is, is the actual title. Um, I, I loved hearing that, like what's going on in y'all's lives because I, I noticed that so many of them are like, hey, I changed my major. Hey, I'm about to finish school. I'm about to change to this program. I'm, I'm looking for a job. Like when we begin to think about what our life is gonna be, we begin to think about our futures. What are we doing to surrender our future to what Jesus wants for us and not just merely what we want for ourselves? Uh, and it's not just our futures. We have to surrender our relationships, uh, surrender our friendships, surrender, I mean, ultimately when it comes down to it, to surrender yourself to Jesus as Lord is to surrender all areas of your life. 
And that becomes a lot more difficult than to surrender to Jesus as Savior. Because we walk in here and we're like, hey, nobody's perfect. We all need a Savior. But if we're honest and say, yeah, but we also all need Jesus as Lord, a lot of us are like, ah, I don't know about that. It's like, I'm doing pretty good on my own over here. Heath, you don't really know my life and what all I've had to navigate up to this point. I'm doing pretty good taking care of myself. That may be true. And I think that for a lot of us, uh, we feel that way or we have felt that way at some point in time in our lives. But the fact of the matter is, for Jesus, he never separates the two. If you're going to take Jesus as your Savior, you're also going to have to take him as your Lord. Which means if you want the love and the grace and the forgiveness and all the great things about Jesus, you're also going to have to do the surrendering and the submitting and the giving over of all of yourself to Jesus to receive that. And that's what we're going to kind of talk about tonight in week two of follow, is how do we begin to surrender ourselves to Jesus, not only as our Savior, but also as Lord over our lives, as the authority in our lives, as the person who our whole life is centered around and upon. And the reason we're talking about this is because uh, for most of us, uh, your decisions are more truthful than your words. I think a lot of us in this room would say, well, I've done that, Heath. I've, I've surrendered myself to Jesus as Savior and, and Lord. I'm good, right? And maybe that's true for some of you. For some of you, you're like, well, I, I'm probably the person you're talking to because I've surrendered to him as Savior, but I, I don't know about this whole Lord stuff yet. And maybe some of you are like, I just came here with a friend tonight to check things out, and I don't know what you're talking about. And wherever you are on this, that's fine, because I think that for every person in the room, our decisions are more truthful than our words. And I know this is true about everyone, that your, your actions speak louder than words, right? That's a common expression that you've probably heard before. Your actions speak louder than words. Your decisions that you make and how you choose to live your life are more truthful than the things that you say that you believe. Your behaviors um, speak louder than the things that you say you believe. And I know this is true because um, I was telling you guys earlier about my wife, Erin, who's fantastic. And um, she, when, once we got married, I realized quickly that um, when you get married, your life changes a lot. And one of the things that I didn't see coming in being married is how much I would have to surrender um, the remote control to the TV to my wife. Uh, that I watch a lot of TV shows now as a married guy that I did not care to watch as a single guy. And uh, one of those shows, and I'm sure a lot of you are probably locked in and watching this right now, is The Bachelor. Any Bachelor fans in the room? Cool. All right, cool, cool, cool. This is a perfect example of what's happening on The Bachelor. Okay, so like, I, just full disclosure right now, I don't love The Bachelor, but my wife does. So I am all in on what's happening right now. And if you watched Monday night, spoiler alert coming, if you recorded it, plug your ears, all right? Pilot Pete is telling Maddie that he's, hey, I'm cool with, with how you choose to live your life and saving yourself or whatever, and that's not gonna be a thing between us. It's no big deal. I, you know, I respect your decision on how you live your life. But then his behaviors, his decisions are a little bit more truthful about who he actually is and what he actually believes. Because then he goes to the fantasy suite with two other girls and he has no conscience about doing that. And then when he tells Maddie about it, he's surprised that she's upset. Like, it's one of those things. Are y'all with me here tonight? Yeah. All right, cool. It's one of those things that your decisions speak louder than what you say. And I was watching The Bachelor and I was like, boom, this is what I'm talking about, TLR. Bachelor recap. You're welcome, Ryan. Have me back anytime. Uh, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. It's true. And if, if we were to look at all of our lives, there's moments that we are Pilot Pete. And now that one's stung for me to say because I don't like the guy. But like all of us are the same. There's moments where our decisions and the things that we choose to do and the actions we choose to take in our life don't match the things that we say that we believe 
They don't match the faith that we say that we have. They don't match the, the, the facade that we like to put up in front of the people in our lives. And so what happens is when our decisions are more truthful than our words, it leads us to this place where uh, there's a lot of confusion about what's really the most important thing in our lives. The question over who is Lord over your life is left up for grabs. Because we say Jesus is our Savior and our Lord, but the, practically the way we live our lives is like, yeah, but like, I'm still kind of calling the shots. Like, I'm still kind of doing what I want to do, um, at least in maybe these areas. And maybe I'm giving Jesus my, my Wednesday night, right? But like, I'm still kind of taking care of my own Friday night. Like, that's still under my control, right? And, and I think that's a lot of times how we choose to live our lives and how we choose to make decisions, and I think this is really important because Jesus speaks to this. Like, this is not a new problem. This isn't something that's new in 2020. Like, this has been around for a long time. And I know this because in Luke chapter 6, Jesus addresses this. He addresses when our words and our actions don't match up. Here's what he says in Luke 6, verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Now, the, the, the repetition of the word Lord there is for emphasis, like, it's not just like, Lord, Lord, like I've said it. It's like, it's like, oh, Lord, Lord. Like, you know, like it's this like emphatic and emotional, like, oh, Jesus, we're so loyal to you. And Jesus is like, are you? Are you? Like, like, you say that, but like, I'm looking at your actions and I'm not seeing it. It would be like in my illustration earlier about the honeymoon thing. If I was like, babe, babe, I haven't done what you asked me to do, but you know I love you. And she'd be like, do you? Like, it's like, how hard is it to book a trip? Like, just get on Expedia and pick something, right? Like, a lot of times that's the same kind of context that Jesus is looking at us. It's like, hey, you're using the right words, but the way you're acting isn't matching up. I think a lot of times in our lives, um, we come to Jesus and call him Lord, Lord, because we want the Savior side of things in our lives, but we struggle to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, to, to put him as the prime authority in our life, to be the thing that all the rest of our life is built around and built upon. And Jesus knew this. He knew this was a struggle for us. He knew this would be a struggle for you. This is what he goes on to say in Luke chapter 6, verse 47 and 48, the next two verses. He says, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words, and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. Now, I don't know if any of you guys are like engineering majors or like building science or, or something like that in the room, but if you are, you are in for a treat tonight because we are right in your wheelhouse. And if you're not, then uh, cool, me too. But here's the thing, I do know about building stuff. The foundation matters more than anything else. Like what you put the rest of the structure on is more important than anything else. And so as we looked at Jesus's words, he, he literally says the same thing. He's like, hey, anyone who comes to me and they hear my word, they put them into practice. You are like a, in other translations and other uh, uh, gospels, he says, you're like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. He, in Alexander, he says he dug down deep to put it on a foundation of rock. In Jesus' day, um, this is like ancient Israel, right? Like there's a lot of sand everywhere. So if you were gonna build a house, um, how many of you guys have been to the beach before and you've like built sandcastles like in the sand, right? And what happens to sandcastles in the sand? They, they get washed away, they get stepped on. Like sand is not a great thing to build on, okay? It, it, it's one of those things, if you build on sand, you're asking for foundation problems. So what Jesus says is you're like a wise man who digs down deep, down to the bedrock to build your foundation, to build your life, to build your house in this story, on. It would be essentially kind of like 
this. Let's say you have, I, I don't have a bedrock, but I do have a cinder block here, which is kind of like a, a rock. And Jesus says, hey, your life is like this rock. If you, put, if you hear my words and you put them into practice and you do what I say, you surrender your life to me, you surrender over to my lordship, it's like you're building your life, your house, that is your life, on this solid rock foundation. So what that means is, as you try to talk about and figure out what you're gonna do for your career, you're building it on this solid foundation. You're trying to figure out what you wanna do in your future relationships and who you're gonna marry and your future kids and your family. It's built on this solid foundation, this relationship. When you look at your friendships and the people you spend your life with and the people you're in community with, they're built on this solid foundation. When you think about like your influence and your legacy in the community and, and the things you wanna be remembered for in this life, they're built on this solid foundation. And time and time again, the, the, the habits that you have in life and everything that comes into your life is built on this solid foundation that is Jesus. That when you hear the words that Jesus says and you do those things and you put them into practice, you listen and apply, that you're building your life on something that is going to be able to withstand the storms of life. Notice he says, a flood came, the torrent, which is a horrible storm, struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. Why was it well built? Because it was laid on the right foundation. Now, you don't have to do this. You don't have to build your life on a firm foundation. In fact, people every single day build their house on what that is their life on whatever foundation they choose. And Jesus speaks to that too. He says in the next verse, he says, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Remember, that would be like a sandy type terrain. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now, you don't have to build your house on the good, solid bedrock. You could build it on sand. Like, you could totally build your house and take your, you know, your future career and your job and throw it on there and see how that sticks. And you could take your marriage and, your, you know, the future kids and stuff that you want to have in your life and throw that on there and watch it slide down the slope. And, you know, you take your, your finances and, you know, the decisions that you make and the, 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 the influence and legacy you want to leave on your life and try to see how that goes on there. And, and maybe like the habits and the things that you want, you, you know, to shape your life and you try to make that fit. Let's see if I can make it nice. That, that's something there. And then, you know, you, you, you want to take your friendships and the people you surround yourself with, they've got to be in there somewhere. So maybe like this, like you begin to build your life how you want to, and that's great. You can do you. However, notice that the, the, this guy is referred to in, in some of the other gospels as of the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Look, the storms come and the floods rise and this sand's all gonna be moved and all these bricks, even if I stacked them up just right and I tried to make them some kind of semblance of order or something to them, when this sand moves and shifts and the winds blow and the floods rise, the sand's gonna move and so is the structure, so is the house. And so what Jesus is saying is that in your life, your life is going to be built around, it's going to be built on something. That right now, at this stage in life, right where you are, you're building your life and your foundation on something. Now, you can choose to build it on Jesus, or you can choose to build it on yourself or something other of your choosing. You know, maybe it's you want to make a ton of money and have a great career. Maybe you want to build it on the relationships that you have, and you've attached yourself to some guy or to some girl, and you want to build it on that. Those, are the things, those things are great. But if you notice in both the stories, the floods came and the storm came in both situations. The biggest difference was how the two structures handled the floods, how they handled the storm. In this life, you're gonna have storms. In this life, the floods are gonna come. It doesn't matter what you build your life on. Life is gonna come at you 100 miles an hour. At this stage in life, probably a lot of you guys have experienced that at some point in time. 
You're gonna go through hard times in life. You're gonna get laid off from that job. You're gonna not get that internship. You're gonna fail that test. You're gonna get broke up with. You're gonna get cheated on. You're gonna have bad things happen in your life. The only measure of what's different between these two is whether or not your life and your foundation is still standing when the storms come. Because a life that's built on Jesus, you know, the, the bricks can be, you know, shaken, they can be rained on, they can be flooded, but they're not going anywhere. This is a sturdy and firm foundation. But these bricks, I mean, they're the littlest little thing is going to shift and move them around and your life is gonna be constantly in flux. If you've ever felt like your life is going a million different directions, a million miles an hour, and, and you're being pulled in all different ways and everything seems to be falling apart, a lot of times what we need to do is step back and say, what is my life actually being built upon? What is the thing that is the foundation that all other things on my life are being laid upon and building on? Because the one thing I really want you guys to understand and, and grasp tonight is to, to don't let the wrong thing become the foundational thing. Career is important, and I want you guys to have a great and successful career. Be the best at whatever job field you go into. You know, family and marriage and kids are important. I want you to be fantastic moms, fantastic dads, fantastic husbands, fantastic wives. I want you to, to have great friendships and be that friend that everybody can count on. I want you to, to be the kind of person that has habits that make you successful at whatever you do in life. But if those things ever become the foundation of your life, um, you're going to be in a difficult season when the floods come when life hits you and comes at you faster than you can manage it, it's gonna be difficult. So the questions for tonight is like, how do we keep the foundational thing, the, the right thing? How do we keep our foundation centered on Jesus? And I think the, the, the most important way is to always remember and always keep Jesus as our Savior and Lord, both at the same time. He has to be the Savior and the Lord because Jesus is the foundation on which you build your life. He's not one of the bricks that you get to choose where you place it. A lot of times we look at our faith and we, we say, all right, this is my faith brick and I've got to figure out a way to, to make it fit onto this, this heaping pile of rubble that I've got over here that I call my life. And Jesus is wanting us to say, hey, hey, step back. Let's redo that foundation. I told you guys a, a minute ago that... Um, since I've been married, one of the things that I've learned is that I don't get to watch the shows that I get to choose to watch all the time. No, I, that's probably not fair. We split it pretty evenly. But um, it's not just The Bachelor that I have to watch. Um, there's a channel on TV. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. It's called HGTV. Are you guys familiar with that? I don't even think I knew it existed until I got married. And here's the thing. Um, HGTV has lots of shows. I mean, they're all the exact same. But they have lots of shows um, where typically someone buys a house or they're trying to buy a house. And it's a piece of work, right? Like it is a dump. And they give someone else a ton of money and they say, make it look cool for my family and friends. And you know, the Chip and Joanna Gaines of the world step in and like, say no more fam, we got you. This is about to look like Magnolia Farms threw up in here. Like, it, like they begin to go to work and they begin to, to renovate this and remodel and decorate. And you know, sometimes they even call the, the, the lovely couple and they're like, hey, um, we know you wanted to have an enclosed back porch and that you wanted the fireplace moved upstairs. Um, but we're just running out of budget. Which, one, which one's more important? Like, you're going to have to make a choice. Which one is it? And, you know, they have to have the dramatic, you know, cut away to commercial, and they come back, and they're like, we want the porch. You know, and like, they have this, like, dramatic moment of, of, like, you know, wow, that tension really built while I watched, like, four Swiffer commercials. And <laughs> I, as, as you're watching it, you realize that, you know, ah, this stuff is pretty arbitrary. But maybe you've seen one of the episodes. There's one thing that happens that there's not a lot of choice given. It's one of those uh-oh moments in the show, right before one of the dramatic cutaways to commercial, 
where, you know, Chip inevitably is calling the, the family and he's like, hey, Billy, we got a problem over here. Uh, you got a crack in your foundation. And all of a sudden, there's no negotiation. There's no, uh, should we fix it? Or do you want to gamble your entire life savings on this house that's going to fall in in two years? Like, he's like, we have to fix it. Like, forget the screened in porch, forget the master on the main, forget the vaulted ceilings, forget all of the stuff you have. We got to get this foundation issue fixed now. It becomes the most important thing on the entire episode is if they can get that foundation issue fixed and that house um, taken care of from there. And the same thing is exactly as true in your life. If the foundation isn't right, if it isn't set, if it isn't on the thing that is most important, the whole rest of your life isn't going to be right either. If your foundation isn't solid and if it isn't holding the rest of your life up in a way that you can have healthy relationships, healthy friendships, uh, healthy work-life balance, healthy you know, grades and, and healthy uh, habits, all the, all the things that, that are encompassed in our lives, if the foundation is bad, the rest of those things are going to be bad too. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but eventually. So my challenge for you guys is tonight is to take the story that Jesus shares with us to heart. I think one of the most profound things in, in Luke 6, the, the, the text that we read tonight was when Jesus said, the guy who built his house on the rock, he dug down deep. He dug down deep to put his foundation on the rock. Tonight, I want you guys to begin to think about what would it look like? What do, what do you need to dig down deep in order to make Jesus your foundation, to make him not just you know, your foundation and not just your savior, but your savior and Lord? What are the things in your life that you need to surrender over to him in order to make him the foundation and not just one of the bricks on top? Because each and every one of us have stuff in our life that we're holding on to. And we're like, you know, Jesus, you're taking care of a lot in my life, but you know, I think I got this. I think I got this relationship. I think I can take care of it. You know, I, th I think I've got my future. I know, you know, you, I feel like you've equipped me and called me to do this one job, but I, I, my lifelong dream has always been to do this other one. So I'm just gonna kind of pursue this, but you can have everything else. Odds are, if you're anything like me, you've got stuff that you're holding on to. And if you're not careful, you're gonna make the wrong thing a foundational thing. Instead tonight, I hope and pray that you will begin to look like, what does it take for you? What is it gonna be for you to begin to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior and how to make him the foundation of every other piece of your life?